morning. We've been singing about peace, and our first verse from Philippians kind of underscores that. Would you like to stand? Thank you. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going back to Matthew here and pick up in uh, verse uh, cha- uh, chapter 14, verse 36. This section is entitled, Jesus Walks on the Water. Very famous miracle. And it immediately follows the description of feeding the 5,000. Another miracle. And immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. They had been his helpers to distribute the food. After he had dismissed them, he went up in a mountain, on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Thank you. There's a lot of turmoil in our world, don't you think? Lots of things that, as we look on, are upsetting or troubling to us. But it's not just in the world out there. Sometimes it's those things that impact us personally, isn't it? And we need some peace in our lives. You know, often when uh, morning worship is over, I dismiss you with the words, go in grace and peace. The question is, do we have peace? You know, I can wish peace for you, but that doesn't mean that you're going to experience it. And and Jesus makes this uh, interesting statement in John chapter 14, verse 27, where he says, 
And you need to listen closely to this. John 14:27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what kind, uh, he, he says in here, uh, um, I do not give you as the world gives. What kind of peace does the world give? Well, for many, it's the lounge chair on a beach somewhere. Or a quiet day at home with no interruptions. Or when everything is going smoothly at work. Or when you check the stock report and things are going up. But if anything happens to disrupt those things, peace is lost. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Did you hear that? He's done it for us. We just need to receive his peace. He's already given it, and if you're not experiencing it, it's not his fault. We need to be receivers of his peace. In, in Philippians 4.7 that Gail read for us to start with, it tells us that the peace that Jesus gives is a different kind of peace. Do you remember, uh, can you bring that passage back up for us? Philippians 4.7. What, what does this peace do for us? It guards. It guards our heart. I think, we, to me, that gives a little different perspective on, it's a different kind of peace than we might normally think about. It guards our hearts. You know, we sang a couple of songs this morning. One was um, Wonderful Peace. And that kind of got that sense of, Ooh, ah, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah? And that's okay. But then he, then it's, we sang another song and it says, He, referring to Jesus, is our peace who has broken down every wall. That's, that's what I think fits in more with what Paul's writing here about it guards our hearts. This is a kind of peace that is dressed in battle gear and guarding our heart. Have you ever thought of it that way? It guards our hearts. It's the bodyguard of our hearts and minds. Which brings us then to, you're probably wondering, okay, we got this passage in Philippians that talks about peace, and then we jump over here to this story of Jesus walking on the water. And, you know, you can have, you can look at that passage in Matthew chapter 14 a number of different ways. It can be all about Jesus walking on the water. It can be about how Peter got out and blew it and started to sink. Okay. As Gail mentioned, Jesus has just performed this incredible miracle of the loaves and fishes. This crowd of 5,000, and they say that was probably just the men in the group that they counted. He's fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. Five loaves. I would imagine they were something like this, maybe. Not like a loaf of bread that we think of. Five loaves and two fishes. Folks, 
Here's a reminder. Whatever we bring to Jesus, he makes enough. Five loaves and two fishes. And so Jesus has done this miracle, and um, I don't know if you noticed this, but I think the word immediately was in this passage three times. So he has just done this incredible thing. Then immediately he says, okay, guys, make for the other side of the lake. Get in the boat and make for the other side of the lake. And that's what they do. Then Jesus goes up on a mountainside to pray. Jesus' fame and popularity are growing. Now, he could have hung around with the crowd and let people pat him on the back. And, of course, we know they loved what he was doing because, hey, I guess there was such a thing as a free lunch. Right? At least this time. And we know that in the scripture there are points where they call for him to be king. And But immediately after he'd done this, it says that he tells the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side, and Jesus heads up the mountain to be alone. He doesn't hang around for the crowd to, and oh wow, tell him how wonderful he is. See, Jesus is never drawn to the crowd, to their applause and to their accolades. When people start applauding, Jesus retreats. See, he didn't come for the applause. He didn't come for the approval of people. He came to do his Father's will. And that's, that kind of attitude is not normal in our culture. We desire applause. We love approval. People find peace in the approval of others. You know, as long as everybody feels good about me, well, I think I'm okay. I can, I can be at peace with that. But the peace that guards our hearts is not found in the approval or applause of people. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Peace is not found in the crowd. It is found in the presence of God. So Jesus heads up the hill to be in the presence of God with his Father. And why was it so important for Jesus at this point immediately after this? Because Jesus was fully God and fully man. You could see his, his human side getting caught up here, couldn't you? Yeah, 5,000 with five loaves, two fishes, no problem. You ought to see what's coming next. But he didn't. He headed up the mountain. Because he, would, he knew he would need peace in the up and ups and downs of his ministry. There were some definite ups like this, but we know there were some definite downs too. He knew he would be continually challenged by the religious authorities and that they'd be after him. He knew that the crowd that cheered him would one day later shout, crucify him. So he went up the mountain. And so I want, to, I want to look at some things that we can draw, I think, from this story. For peace that guards our hearts, we must, first of all, be with Jesus. Jesus went to be with his Father. We need to be with Jesus. No matter what the demands on Jesus, he knew that he must take time to be with the Father. Fully human, fully God, and yet he knew 
he had to spend time, alone time with his father. And, and no matter what the demands on our time, we must take time to be with Jesus. So many are not experiencing peace because we spend our lives on things that keep us busy but give us no peace. In fact, often those things that keep us so busy are things that also create turmoil in our lives. And when we are too busy, our lives are out of order. We were not created to be busy. We were created to be in relationship with Jesus. And that only happens if we take time to be with Him. And you know who wants to keep us busy? Satan wants to keep us busy. That's one of the favorite tactics he uses against us because um, it's considered virtuous in our culture to be really busy. Continually accomplishing something, right? And so if, if, if Satan can keep us busy doing fun things or work things or useless things or even good things, he's got us right where he wants us. Because he knows if we're busy, we won't have time or maybe a better way to say it is we won't take time to be with Jesus. Mark, Mark, the book of Mark, my brother perked up when I said Mark, the writer of the gospel, Mark, in chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, tell us, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. They were disciples of Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. He appointed us to be with him. We've been called to Jesus that we might be with Jesus. And if we want to experience peace, we cannot let the busyness of life get in the way. And then for peace that guards our hearts, we must remember Jesus. So, Jesus has sent the disciples to the other side of the lake, and he is by himself praying. And when evening came, the disciples had rowed a, a great distance. I think it says considerable distance. But a storm had brewed up, and because the wind is against them, they're making no progress. They're basically treading water. And they're being bounced around by heavy waves. And not, they're in trouble. Um, from, the, from that, the world may know, may know it says, tells us this about the, the, the Sea of Galilee. The sea's location makes it subject to sudden and violent storms as the wind comes over the eastern mountains and drops suddenly onto the sea. Storms are especially likely when an east wind blows cool air over the warm air that covers the sea. The cold air being heavier drops as the warm air rises. This sudden change can produce surprisingly furious storms in a very short time as it did in Jesus' day, as it did, obviously, in this instance. 
Maybe that's why they call the Sea of Galilee the sea. Because it can get as rough and turbulent as the sea. And it says Jesus saw this. Out there on the lake, the guys treading water, getting nowhere. Waves, getting worn out. And what did he do? He did this amazing thing. He walked on the water. But here's my point. Jesus closed the distance. They were a long way from shore and he closed the distance between those he had chosen and loved. What a great picture I think this is. When we were in trouble, when the sin in our lives had created distance, Jesus did not want to live without us, so he closed the distance. See, that's what Christmas, what we just celebrated, is all about. Jesus closing the distance. Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus saw the fear that was created by the distance and he showed them and even the laws of nature cannot keep him from the ones he loves. I mean, who walks on water? Church, Jesus comes after us and he brings the peace of God with him. He comes after us and there's no sin, no barrier. He's broken down every wall. No ocean, no mountain that will keep him from reaching you. And think about who's in that boat at that point. At least some of those guys were fishermen. That's not how they did it. I think they did something like this. See, there are fishermen in that boat, and they understood that you don't want to be in the water. They believed that in the depths of the lake, there dwelt evil spirits. You know, I was thinking about that. Um, we were in Florida this summer for a, a week or so, and, you know, swimming in the ocean. Now, I don't get out where it's really deep. But, I, I, you know, I've thought, I would never want to be in the Navy... Because if something happened to the vessel I was aboard, I just don't want to end up in that water not knowing what's down there. Things that could eat me. Well, I don't know what they thought the evil spirits would do, but they didn't want to be in that water. And in a storm like that, there's the possibility that boat could be swamped and that's exactly where they would end up. You know, I... um. I have a what some people call a float tube or a belly boat. You know, it's a thing you can sit in and fish from. And your legs, it kind of has a little saddle kind of affair and your legs hang through. And you put on chest waders that have stocking feet and pull flippers on. And you fin around the, the lake. And, and you know, I, know, I know that the places where I fish that 
there are no sharks or anything like that. But there have been times that I've wondered, I thought, I wonder if there's anything down there big enough to come up and, you know, bite my legs. <laughs> now, that's probably not the feeling the disciples had. It was probably a little more serious than that. But, you know, I, I kind of relate to that a little bit. I, I in that water, I don't want to be there. You know, there were two things that the disciples were afraid of at that point. One was a ghost. Ah, it's a ghost. I mean, who walks on water, right? And the water they were on. And look at what the Prince of Peace does. He takes what they are most afraid of, and folks, get this. He takes what they are most afraid of, and he puts it under his feet. Do you get that? He took what they were most afraid of and he put it under his feet. He walks on the water. You know, uh, and I can understand the ghost thing. I mean, if I was out on the water at night and saw someone walking toward me on the water, I'd probably be frightened too. You know what Jesus was saying here? Jesus was telling them, whatever you are most afraid of is under my dominion and authority. I can even walk on water. He is able to do more than we can ask or think. And folks, the greatest thing we can do in the midst of the storm is remember Jesus. When you feel like you're buffeted by the winds of life, and I'm not telling you to pretend it's not real, that it's not happening, I'm telling you that in those moments, in those seasons of life, remember Jesus. Jesus knew that the disciples would be buffeted for the rest of their lives, and he wanted to remind them that whatever they were afraid of was under his authority and dominion. He walks on water. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it tells us, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus Christ, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Jesus. Everything is under his authority and dominion. In Matthew 28, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then listen in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, how Paul describes Jesus Christ. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. You get to think God doesn't know about atoms and quarks. God knows he created all those things, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. This is the Son we're talking about. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And 
he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, in everything, he might have the supremacy. Jesus has authority and dominion over all things. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus made peace through the cross. Life gets rough. For some it has been. For others it is right now. And for others it will get that way. The challenge is not to forget the storm. The challenge is to remember Jesus. That thing you fear is under his feet. Jesus has dominion, authority over the troubled waters of your life. And then for peace that guards our hearts, we must respond to Jesus. Here's where Peter comes into the picture. When Jesus came walking on the water, the disciples actually weren't glad to see him at first. They thought he was a ghost. And again, you can understand why, after all, no one walks on water. And Jesus said immediately, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. So what's happened? Jesus has gone on the mountain alone to be with the Father. And we need to be with Jesus. Then Jesus comes and closes a distance. He put what they feared most under his feet. But then he invites Peter to put what he's most afraid of under his feet. Lord, can I come to you? Yeah, get out of the boat. Come on. Walk on the water. Whatever you're most afraid of, with me, you can handle it. You know, it's easy to be critical of Peter, isn't it? I mean, their whole sermon's dedicated to being critical of Peter. We tend to do that. But really, this is not a story that shows the faith or the failure of faith for Peter. I mean, he began to sink, he did. At least he got out of the boat. There are a bunch of other guys that didn't do it. But folks, it is, this isn't about Peter or his faith or lack of faith. This, this story is about the goodness of God. Keep your eyes on me. And whatever you're most afraid of, here it comes. I'll place under your feet. Whatever you're most afraid of, I'll place under your feet. See, the presence of Jesus dwells in us, right? Jesus put what they were most afraid of under his own feet, but that he showed Peter that 
what you're most afraid of, I can place under your feet as well. We do not have to be defeated by the trouble that life brings our way, the turmoil. See, the peace of God is not found when fears are absent. It is found when we keep our eyes on Jesus and respond to him. Peter got out of the boat. He didn't do so well, but he got out of the boat. It's called obedience. Remember that thing that said, um, No Jesus, N-O. No peace, N-O. No Jesus, K-N-O-W. No peace, K-N-O-W. Folks, our peace is centered in the Prince of Peace who has dominion and authority over everything in our lives that we may fear. And Jesus has put those things under his feet. And because he dwells in us, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us, he can put those things under our feet as well. Aren't you glad for that? And because of that, we can have peace. It's not about what's going on around us. I mean, we can't ignore that. It's real. But it's about the presence and power of Jesus Christ in our lives and in our circumstances. Amen? Jesus, we thank you today for this picture that you have given us. I mean, I, there's lots of ways we can look at this, I know. <clears throat> and we can talk about the storms of life, and we can talk about how well Peter did or didn't do. We talk about the miracle of you walking on the water, and all those things are true, but to recognize that it was the water that they were afraid of, and you came walking on it. it. You put that thing that they feared right under your feet because you have dominion and authority over all things. But you also showed the, showed the disciples that when Peter got out of the boat, that you can put what we fear most under our feet as well because of your power and presence in our lives. Jesus, we're glad that because we know you, we can know peace. It is not dependent on how much snowfall we get. It's not dependent on if our home is standing after a fire. It is not dependent on being able to avoid COVID or some other disease that's out there. It's dependent on being with Jesus, on remembering Jesus on responding in obedience to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Father, for your ministry to our hearts today. I pray that we'll take something home with us today that will change our perspective, change our thinking, change our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.